This is Well Being, Well Bought, Well Said, the podcast with me, Sarah Maloof. Join me as I chat with fitness gurus, business owners, wellness experts, and other inspiring individuals as together we dive into what it means to live well. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for being here today, for listening to this episode. You could be listening to anything, anywhere, and you chose to be here listening to this episode, and it means so much to me. Um, Most of you probably know if you've listened to any other episode or if you follow me on Instagram, but a couple years back, I went through IIN, Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and obtained a certification to be a health coach. I haven't really been actively pursuing the coaching business over the last year or year and a half or so. If you'd be interested in that, though, feel free to send me a message on Instagram or email me because, I don't know, I kind of miss it. It really was so fulfilling. In 2019, I did take several clients and worked one-on-one just discussing what it means to live well, working through day-to-day problems and conflict as well as things that were going well in their life and looking at that balance and just kind of helping them, coming alongside to help them with different issues they may be struggling with. and. I really appreciate everyone who trusted me to work with them, and I loved every single person that got the opportunity to coach, but I did in particularly, or in particular, what am I trying to say? I got particularly close with Madeline Kaluz, and who she is, Madeline is today's guest. Oh, sorry. Let me start over. Sorry, Madeline. Madeline Kaluz is today's guest. She was my client when I was health coaching. She quickly became a friend and she's a very wise individual. This episode is special to me because of the relationship we have while coaching and the evolution of self I've just seen through her progress over the last couple of years. It's astounding and just very inspiring. Today's episode is going to be very relatable. We talk about coping with grief, dealing with or managing weight loss, non-scale victories. I mean, just kind of those things that we go through in some way, form, or fashion, day in and day out, some, you know, maybe more than others. So anyway, I'll stop rambling. Madeline, I love you. Thank you for being here on this episode today. Y'all listeners will love it. And as always, if you do love it, please rate, subscribe, review, all of the things, it really helps grow and expand this podcast. Here's Madeline Clues. Hi, Madeline. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Glad to be talking with you. I am so glad to be talking with you. So I wanted to bring Madeline on the podcast because back in 2019, really, I was doing a lot of one-on-one health coaching and Madeline and I actually met when she became one of my clients and then she quickly became one of my friends and I've learned, I feel like you've coached me as much, if not more than I ever coached you. And I think that you're very wise and just have a lot of, um, things to say. I know I've, I personally watched you grow so much in 2019 and then I know you went above and beyond with your growth in 2020. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about your personal growth. I did want to, I know you've got some, um, maybe, experience or advice in dealing with grief in a healthy way and just some different, different topics, you know? So, um, to get into it, let's just tell, tell everybody about yourself. Yeah. It's really funny how you said you saw me grow too, because I feel like I just stumbled upon your Instagram one day 
and I was super lost and I was really just looking for someone not not a friend like that I already knew because sometimes our friends can just be like mirrors you know where they'll just tell you everything you want to hear and I knew that I was in a really bad spot um whenever I found your Instagram so I am from Olive Branch Mississippi I went to college at the University of Southern Mississippi and then law school at Ole Miss and now I am an attorney in Northern Kentucky in Covington Kentucky I live in Cincinnati, Ohio though. So I travel back and forth from Ohio to Kentucky pretty much every day for work. And I stumbled upon your Instagram one day when I was sitting at my desk at work and I was like, I've really got to do something because I had the worst year and a half probably of my entire life. I was in my third year of law school and I came home for my birthday and this was 2017 and my dad after a birthday dinner my dad tells our family me and my brother that he had colon cancer and it was a total and complete shock i was totally floored by that um so then i still had to graduate law school had to get a job so i got a job graduated law school had to study for the bar the whole time my dad was sick packed up moved to cincinnati and then Long story short, September, I found out that I failed the bar the first time that I took it. And then my dad passed away 60 days later. So I truly went through like the worst, complete worst time of my life. And then I found your Instagram in about, I think it was April, 2019. I still wasn't even, I think I had passed, just found out that I passed the bar. And then I was like, okay, now that I've got this professional thing, under my belt. It's time to work on my mental, my physical, my emotional, all of that. So I found your Instagram and you said you posted about health coaching and I was like, sign me up. I don't even know what I need. I need somebody to tell me what I need because I needed a unbiased ear to just lean in and listen. And I really found that with you and the program that we went through together. You're so sweet. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that that was a God thing, I think, because I needed you too. And you stumbled across across my Instagram, not by chance. And I'm so glad we're friends now. Um, and thank you again for being so vulnerable and opening up and telling us about your story. If you wouldn't mind, can you tell us a little bit more? You said you were at your lowest point. You'd kind of hit this wall of the worst year ever. Then you did pass the bar, thankfully, but obviously you were still coping with loss and going through grief and transition. You just moved all these things. So what did your life kind of look like at that point and then tell us more about your process of grieving and kind of how not that you are not always going to be grieving the loss of your dad of course that's a whole that's just a void that you know he was an amazing person that you'll always love and miss but how were you able to kind of move on is not the right word because you don't want to forget your dad and his legacy but how were you able to evolve I guess past that state of being at your lowest low to where you are now yeah whenever someone that close to you passes away unexpectedly you have to find a way to just keep going because stopping isn't an option and after he passed away and i knew that i was going to have to again start studying for the bar i just was at a uh, i mean a place i would have never thought i was i could not sleep at night um i was also still a first year associate 
so I was still working my job and billing hours, although although I did not have a bar license yet, the majority of the work that I was doing did not require a bar license in my state. So I could still do all of my work and I still had a really heavy workload on top of losing a dad and studying for the bar again. Um, so there's a whole just level of grief that comes from failing the bar too. And I oftentimes tell people it felt just as bad, um, that day as it did 60 days later when my dad died, just like feeling despair, loneliness, sadness, something you love and cherish so much and worked so hard for all lost in just the span of 60 days. I really felt like my world was crashing and probably not in the most healthy way. Um, the first few months I really just kind of retreated. I found myself not really being honest about my feelings and just like trying to cover them up with distraction, TV, um, eating. I would work all day and then had no workout routine or anything, but I'd be like, well, I deserve, you know, a steak dinner or something tonight. And just like, would try to hide my emotions away in just really unhealthy ways. Drinking, I would drink a bottle of wine, you know, just to not think about it and hopefully be able to fall asleep. And then I quickly learned, you know, this is not sustainable. I had friends call me, you know, of course, and be honest with me and tell me, listen, we can't do this much longer. You got to get out of the house a little bit. I really poured myself into a church community that I had found in Cincinnati. I started staying busy with that. That was a few nights a week. And that was probably what kept me afloat the most. Um, And then that's when I think I just hit this wall one day where I realized, and I think, you know, physical appearance, I could see the toll that all of this was taking on me every day when I looked in the mirror, not just the dark circles under my eyes from not sleeping, but, you know, the weight gain, the acne I was getting that I never struggled with at all um, before. And yeah, I just really kind of found through my physical appearance that it was time to start making change in healthier ways. So pouring into church, um, I started cutting out, you know, the eating out of like days a week, tried to save some money. So that's mainly how I coped in the early days. And do you want me to go into when I joined a grief group? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So funny enough, after it was, after it took a long time, I was not open really to talk about it. I feel feel like I could always keep a pretty good face on whenever people ask questions or wanted to know what happened and really just kind of mold over things a lot more in my head. Felt really crazy about some of the things I would think or feel. And then when COVID hit um, in 2020, so my dad passed away November 2018, and I had never done any grief counseling or anything like that. And I knew that that was probably going to be the best thing for me, but it also just felt so daunting and so difficult. And I did not want to feel those feelings again. I did not want to hash them out again, but I saw a post like on social media from the church that I go to in Cincinnati called Crossroads about a grief group happening over Zoom during the quarantine. And I thought, okay, great. This is a perfect way for me to keep a low profile. I really don't have to connect with people. I really don't have to give it my all. I don't have to tell anybody I'm doing it. I can just kind of sign up. And if I hate it and I don't want to do it anymore, I can just log out, you know? 
And I told one friend for accountability, my best friend, Maddie, I said, I need you to text me and make sure that I get on this call and then don't judge me if I get off. And she was like, okay, I won't. And she just texted me at 7.30 p.m. and said, you know, did you get on? Are you on? I said, yeah, I'm on. I'm listening. You know, I'm going to stay on. And so every week, um, it, the more daunting, the, that daunting feeling just started slipping away because I was realizing all the things I was feeling were not crazy. All the things I was doing, the eating, the drinking, the, you know, not getting out of bed, not sleeping, all of those things were very normal for people who were struggling with grief. And even though I kind of came later in my grief journey to a grief group, I didn't feel so bad about all of the things I had done. I had really kind of felt a lot of you know, grief is so complex. I had felt a lot of shame in my actions after or doubts of, well, you know, what if, or why didn't I do this or X, Y, and Z. And so finding that group was super healing, even though it was super scary to do. So I did that. And I think that was the best thing so far that I had done to manage the grief. Wow. I'm so proud of you. I didn't even realize you were doing that. And you touched on something that I want I hope that you can explain to me a little bit better. So um, not all of us have lost someone as close to us as a father. Not all of us have been through the same type of grief you have. Everyone's grief and circumstances are obviously different, but it's no secret that we saw, especially on social media and everything over 2020, everybody was kind of grieving something in some form or fashion. If you were just grieving a social life, (laughs) I mean, that's still some sort of grief. If you were grieving, you know, the loss of a loved one, if you were grieving the loss of a job, there were a lot of things that happened to people, especially over the past year. So you kind of mentioned like, you know, your actions and your responses and your thoughts weren't abnormal, but then you also mentioned that you've been able to move past those habits of not staying in bed all day and you got your health back in your own hands and you were able to kind of process those emotions. So where is that, where do you draw that line? What is that, I don't know, fine line or process look like from going from the place of being at your low point where your habits are so terrible and then moving past that to where you're still sad, but you're able to kind of cope? Because I do also want to point out that with the grief of this past year, it has been everywhere saying, you know, and I agree to this to a certain extent, but there's a healthy balance. Like, you know, if you just woke up this morning, you're doing fine. If you just, if you didn't want to get out of bed today, good for you. If you haven't worked out in three months, that's fine. We all grieve differently, blah, blah, blah. And of course, I'm not saying push yourself to the max every single day. I mean, look at me. I mean, y'all it's January 1st and we're both here in sweatpants, like sitting on our floors. I mean, I'm not doing a lot today and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, of course. And I think, yes, everyone grieves differently, but in your own words or your own opinion, where do you draw that line of grieving, but also being your best self, at least eventually? Yeah. The adrenaline wears off after like the first three weeks. And then you pick up the phone to call that person or you get in the car to go do that thing that you can't do anymore. And then it all hits you again at one time, you know? And so there comes a point where it's like, you can either, I could have, you know, when someone passes away, that's a great excuse to stay in bed all day. That's a great excuse to go treat yourself to whatever you want and buy, max out your credit card. Like it gives you, you know, you have an excuse, quote unquote, an excuse, but is that 
really challenging you to be better and really challenging you to grow from this horrible thing that happened. And I think that that's what happened to me. I just kind of had this revelation of, yeah, Madeline, you could stay in all day. You could text your boss and say, you know what, Clint, sorry, I don't feel like coming into work today. I've had a really bad night. But getting up, brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, getting in the shower, showing up to work a job that gives me, gave me a purpose, um, calling my friends, writing letters. I'm a big letter writer. So finding ways to, to just like encourage others, especially like you said, 2020, we've all struggled in some sort of way, weddings, canceling, you know, kids didn't get to graduate from high school at these big graduations or college graduations. And that you can still grieve moments and memories too. You don't just grieve people. And I think that's why it's so important to like, just make that conscious decision of, yeah, I could have that amazing excuse to, you know, stop caring, but it's so much more powerful when you just kind of, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going because there are going to be days where, you know, you do need to stay in bed and rest, like you said, but, you know, six out of seven days a week, you should attempt to give your day a new meaning or new purpose. So that's what I tried to do at least. Mm. Well, you're very mentally and emotionally and spiritually strong and sound. So if someone listening is in a place where they don't feel like they can, like they're like, I just, you know, I know that what you're saying makes sense, but I just don't think I can get to where you are in my grief process. What are some tips or habits that you tips or advice and then, and or habits that you implemented to be able to slowly but surely get to the place where you are today? So I'm a big journaler. I journal out all of my feelings. You know, I think I had a Sunday school teacher or something in the past tell me like, if you're upset, you know, and you're trying to sleep, get up and write out why and feel it all and then try to rest because trying to like mull everything over all at once, all of these things don't go away at once, but taking small steps to make yourself feel better, huge on going on long walks. I mean, put in your favorite music, or if you lost someone, put on that person's favorite music and just go for a walk and enjoy the day. Like just little bitty decisions or, um, in our grief group, we talked about having that person's favorite snack or something. And so I hated cucumbers, still don't like them, but my dad loved them. So if you want to feel close to that person, you can do things like get a cucumber and eat it or go for a drive around town. Who doesn't love going for a drive, honestly, especially around Christmas time, everybody still got their Christmas lights up, you know, finding ways, um, just little things. And then me and my two close friends in Cincinnati, Emily and Kennedy, we started a thing where we did Sunday night adventures where we would try to do one new thing in our community every week. So it would be like, try the new ice cream place or, um, go to that new bar. And I know with COVID, of course, you know, we can't really do all of those things all the time, but going on the walks or journaling are two just simple ways, I think, to just kind of recenter yourself, start a new habit. Um, I, I started crocheting and knitting, you know, I go, I bought a guitar. I was doing all kinds of crazy things, like just trying new stuff. There's apps on your phone. You can, um, do a lingo, like not things that are just like worthless games, like candy crush, no offense, but, um, played chess or I don't know, not saying you can fully distract yourself from those things, but there are little things you can do during the day, but also 
the most important, especially for me, is my spiritual life and my walk with God. And truly, that is what has saved me, spending time in God's word, having a quiet time. Um, if you're, you know, whatever your spiritual life may be, um, if you are, you know, more about being Zen, do some yoga, just little 30 minute, 20 minute to 30 minute of your day can truly just flip it for you, you know? Mm -hmm. So true. So important. Um, where, how do you tell the difference between distracting yourself in an unhealthy manner and not processing emotion and thoughts? But okay. How do you differ between that and healthily keeping yourself busy and pouring into new habits and relationships and friends, because we've all heard of the person who had the mental breakdown after years of basically just distractions and not ever processing what they went through. And then it all comes pouring out at once. So how do you, how can you tell when you're in a healthy place with your habits and distractions and hobbies versus like, okay, I'm just trying to ignore how I really feel. Yeah. So I think there's a huge difference between drinking a bottle of wine when you've got a couple friends over and you're watching your favorite movie and drinking a bottle of wine when you're sitting alone on the couch in the darkness, um, ripping on a cigarette or a jewel, things that I was guilty of doing <laughs> right <laughs> after I, um, it shamefully, but I was doing. And then that's when the switch flipped for me, you know, I started realizing if I'm doing something alone or hiding my behavior or hiding my shame and not being honest with my friends, you know, that's whenever I realized it was an unhealthy behavior. If I was hiding how much wine I was drinking every night, that's when I realized, okay, maybe this isn't the best. Or if I was scrolling on Instagram for six hours and not holding myself accountable with my phone time or my screen time, that's when I realized, okay, maybe this isn't the best thing I could be using my time with. And so there's totally a difference in, you know, checking on Instagram, getting on, everybody gets on every day, but you know, just those little things of hiding the behavior and not being honest about my feelings is whenever I realized, okay, this is not a healthy balance. Having a glass of wine every night is great. Having two glasses of wine every night is fine. If that, if you like wine or a uh, white claw, but having six alone just to try and forget what I was dealing with, um, it's just the motivation behind the behavior. I think that's when you really realize, am I doing this to make myself quote unquote feel better or forget versus am I doing this because I'm having a great time with community? Even if community's over zoom and you're playing trivia or whatever. Um, I think that's whenever I realized the balance was unhealthy for me. And I think a lot of people struggle with this too. It's not, not just after grief. 2020 gave us an excuse to just sit at home all day. So it was, what are we going to use this? You know, as soon as I'm done logging off with work, what am I going to do? Just go sit and drink or am I going to try and do something new that I've never done or vice versa? So, so true spot on. And we even talked about this before the pandemic and everything, I think more in relation to food back in 2019, because I try to practice what I preach. And I know that I say this to clients and to people on Instagram, but I really believe the motive behind what you're doing and what you're eating and what your habits are really speaks volumes. Like I remember I've told this to clients, even if it's a cookie or a pizza, if you're eating it and you take 0.2 seconds to ask yourself, do I really want this right now? 
And if it's like, yes, because yes, that pizza just sounds so great. I'm about to watch a movie and eat pizza. It's going to be so fun. Or if it's a glass of wine and you're with your significant other or your best friends and you're, like you said, in a sense of community, like, great, go for it. I don't care if it's junk food or what it is. If it's not harming you, obviously, like don't hurt yourself in this process. Don't, I don't recommend like doing drugs just all the time because you really want to, or right. something. but you get what I'm saying, you know? So as opposed to just doing going through these motions, eating and drinking mindlessly and doing all these things mindlessly because we're masking our emotions or because we're super anxious and this is just an outlet or because we're bored. And I mean, the list goes on and on and just having the mindfulness to kind of tune in to set yourself and ask yourself why and what we're doing does that, why we're doing what we're doing, is it important to us in that moment? I think that that's a really good practice to get into. and. I think that you, what you said is so important. Just if you are hiding, if you, if you, it sounds like you lost your sense of self. And when you had the realization that you didn't know who you were anymore and your friends didn't know who you were anymore because you were hiding a lot of yourself from them, that's a big aha moment. And I hope and pray that everyone listening has a family or friends or friends that have become family, some sort of community to be around them and surround them through the highs and the lows and kind of be there alongside of the dark moments too, because transparency can be very scary, but I admire how open you are with your journey and how far you've come. Um, which brings me to what else, what else I wanted to talk about is you are doing big things physically too. Like I've been following your Instagram, you're big into orange theory, you've lost some weight and you and I both are on the same page that weight loss and a size and a number on the scale. It's not what's important, but like you said in the beginning, you had gained weight as a result of where you were in your head and your heart. And you took matters back into your own, own hands and you've gotten physically so healthy. And I'm like, I think it's awesome. And I love that you share your journey. So kind of tell us about the goals that you've met and the process that's taken you to achieve those. Yeah, so I really started dabbling into more like intuitive eating and wellness and listening to my body whenever I started meeting with you and just like the pillars of you can't be all, you know, work out, work out, work out. You're you're not going to see results if you're not spiritually, mentally, emotionally like lined up. And so I was really with you. You really just helped me find like my sense of self again, my motivations again. I was journaling and getting into that. And so I've really rededicated myself in November, 2019. I, I've tried every diet known to man, like every single one. Um, and that's why I'm not a big diet culture person. I'm just not a diet fan. And I don't even call what I'm doing now my diet. I just say, I am enjoying the ability to eat healthier. I'm enjoying trying new recipes. I'm enjoying going to Orange Theory and rededicating myself to that. So I was relatively healthy in law school. Um, besides how much we drank, <laughs> we just partied all the time in law school, but we, I ran my first half marathon in law school. I went, started Orange Theory in law school, um, but I was not really paying attention to what I was eating at all. And so I think for the first time after I had got out, gotten out on my own in 2018, after all the grief and all the bar studying and the late night meals, I was like, okay, I'm ready to rein all this in. So in November, 2019, I started after a lot of contemplation, I was like, I'm going to try this Weight Watchers thing. I'm going to get this app and give it a shot. 
And what I liked about it was the flexibility. It did remind me a lot of eating intuitively, like eating more fruits and vegetables because all that is quote unquote free. All that is zero points. And I just kind of jumped on that bandwagon um, in November and then fell off in the holidays as normal people do. I ate, of course, again, whenever I wanted around Christmas time. And then March of 2020 rolls around and I probably, I was doing so much better mentally, but physically I, something was going on. I just could not even pinpoint it. I was having all these stomach issues. I was not feeling good. And, um, I had started working out again. I had started going to a gym. I joined a gym at my office. So I was going to that a couple of times a week. And, um, well then of course a pandemic hits <laughs> and yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this like a reset. I'm just gonna, while I'm literally so bored and have nothing else to do, I'm going to try more recipes. I'm just going to try to eat healthier. I'm going to order, you know, salads from Instacart instead of, you know, pasta from Instacart or whatever. Mm -hmm. And not saying that, you know, cause of course what the ability to be flexible with your meals with Weight Watchers was what I loved about it. I could eat a pasta if I really wanted a pasta. I can eat a fried, you know, I can eat French fries if I want them. I just have to, I really just learned portion control. And so of course, pandemic was hitting, so I could not go to Orange Theory, um, but I just started going on walks every single day during quarantine. I would go at my lunch hour with work, and I would go after work for about an hour each, so I was starting to lose some weight. I was like, okay, I'm starting to get fit now. I've lost about 12 pounds probably in April. I was feeling better. I was feeling a little bit more confident, um, and then I just hit the ground running when Orange Siri opened back in, up in June, was sticking to the Weight Watchers plan and lost about, so far I've lost 43 or 44 pounds. I'm in the middle. I'm, I've wow. been, and around the holidays, we're, we're going up and down a little bit on the scale. But what I love about it most is I found a Facebook group and have met some super amazing friends and the whole deal with Weight Watchers minus portion control and counting your points is the community and talking to people about real life struggles that surround food. We're normal. Like we all want to eat whatever we want to eat on the holidays. We all have a wild Saturday night where, you know, we order the Taco Bell or whatever, but that's why I liked it because I, again, felt normal for the first time in my relationship with food, my relationship with working out. I met really cool girls who I love so much, um, just amazing community. We send each other boxes of Weight Watcher friendly things. And that's, what's kept me on track is the accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, so hit the ground running with orange theory. When we open back up in June, I love, I go about five or six times a week. Um, I've lost about, like I said, 43 pounds and I'm still going. I have a goal weight. That's like another 35 pounds or something away. So I'm hoping to hit that in 2021. That's one of my goals. But yeah, I have really just kind of found it, found my little place in the, in the health and wellness community journey. So I'm really loving it and it's feeling good. I'm happy for you really. And, um, that sense of normalcy, I think because you and I are very, um, I think on the same page when it comes to health and wellness, 
what you mean by that is like you weren't super, super rigid, obsessed, felt like you were just living this diet lifestyle where you couldn't just breathe and eat a cookie every now and then if you wanted to, but also you weren't just so lax that you were gaining weight and feeling sluggish and not ever moving your body, right? Just that good balance in your life. Yeah. Right. One of my favorite things in my close little community of about four girls, they joke because I, you're supposed to weigh in one day a week on Weight Watchers, but I don't weigh in unless I feel skinny. And I'm like, I'm not gonna, I don't care about what the scale <laughs> says. Like I seriously, they laugh and laugh and laugh. Cause I'm just like, if I'm, in, you know what, I'm feeling skinnier on Friday. I'm not weighing in on Saturday or whatever. And so, um, I, I've never really put too much weight on what the scale says. Literally. Um, <laughs> I just haven't, I never have. I never really cared that much about it. Even when I was a kid, um, an adolescent, I've always been a little bit bigger than everybody else, but I've also been really strong. I uh, was really, really active my whole life. Activity and agility has never really been an issue for me. So it was just more of like rededicating and getting back into the routine. And the number on the scale is a reward. It's data. It's just, you know, you collect it as you move forward. It's not something that I put worth with. Um, I put worth with wow, today I went to a party and did not eat six pieces of pizza or what old me would have done. I had two or three and then I enjoyed myself. I don't leave meals anymore feeling like I could roll out of the restaurant and feel again, like, you know, do that six days a week. Like I used to, I mean, I've just really found, I feel good. I feel happier. I feel healthier and I still enjoy myself all the time. I love that. I love what you said. No worth comes from a number on a scale. It is strictly data. And you will see and hear people all the time who are so much healthier at a maybe higher weight. You know what I mean? Like it's just so, it, some of the unhealthiest people I know weigh significantly less than me. And some of the healthiest people I know weigh more than me. And it's just, this, it gets to be such a toxic comparison game. And I love that you said that you do not put all your worth or weight, pun intended, on the scale. I, I love Exactly. That. And it's not always easy. I mean, the month of June, as soon as I had gotten back to Orange Theory and I was so excited, I worked out every single day of June almost. I mean, as soon as that studio opened, I was in there and stayed within all of my points the whole month. And at that point, I was at minus 27 pounds for my heaviest weight. And I hit a plateau for the entire month of June and more. It was like five weeks. I weighed the exact same number on the scale. And then I started getting frustrated. But then I was seeing, like, take the pictures. You take progress pictures of yourself because you can really see a difference there. Take measurements. That scale is not, you know, the only thing that is, you know, picturesque of your journey it's so much more and you're so right I mean I just kind of let go of what that scale said a long time ago because be I'm I think I'm only five six I'm five six I'm not that tall and I care I've always carried my weight in random places on my body so I always kind of knew that I wasn't going to give it power over me I was just going to let it collect the numbers write them down put it away so preach this preach. Okay. So if someone is listening and they have been motivated by you through this conversation, whether they're sick of just wallowing in self-pity, maybe they need, maybe they're grieving, but they need to take the next step in their process of overcoming that grief in a manageable and healthy way. Maybe they have kind of let themselves go in the sense of they haven't taken care of their body and honored it in the way that they hope they could. 
wherever they are, if they're at a low, low, what's your advice? Where, where would you say to start? Yeah. And I know this is going to sound cliche and they've probably heard this a million times, but if I can do this, you can do this. Um, I was in, like I said, I went through a whirlwind, probably the worst time of my entire life. Almost, If you've been in law school too, or taken any test for that matter that determined your career and then lost a loved one. I mean, I truly felt like there was nothing more that could happen. I was like, I could bang my head against a brick wall and it would feel better. Like you're gonna be in these places in life. And if you are truly there, like if you think you're at this rock bottom, you can crawl yourself out of it. And plus what you need to do is find a support system, that one friend. And if you don't have that, you can call me um, or Sarah because, Mm -hmm. or to, you know, DM me or Sarah, seriously, find one person who can help hold you accountable. Don't let what's happened to you the bad things, the things that you can't control force you to give up on yourself. And it is easy to want to do that. You are normal. I am normal. You're normal for feeling the most despair or you're normal for feeling bad about your body or X, Y, Z, the list goes on and on, but just don't let the bad things that have happened or the decisions that you made yesterday determine the meal you make for dinner tonight. If you exercise or not, you know, you just have to pick up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, make one good decision because all this is, all a successful journey is, is one good decision after another. And there are going to be some bad decisions in there, but when you wake up the next day, you make another good decision and you keep going. You pat yourself on the back or you tell yourself, okay, you know, I noted that I did that yesterday, but it doesn't matter. In six bad meals over the course of 30 days is nothing bad in quotation marks, six overindulgent meals or six extra desserts over the course of 30 days is totally different than it would have been if you just kept saying, you know what, I'm not going to start today. I'm not going to start today. You just keep going. Mm -hmm. Make today the day, you know, just freaking love you. You're so wise and (laughs) well-spoken. Okay. And now, you know, this is coming and you've answered it in indirectly throughout the conversation, but in your own words, what does it mean to live well? It's funny, Sarah, because I was like, it hit me like 10 minutes before we logged on. I was like, oh my God, I got to think of my, and well, I'm a huge fan of Sarah's podcast. I listen to every single episode. I text, I am ready. They're downloaded as soon as I get to work every, um, what day do they come out? Wednesday? Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every Wednesday. And, um, my, I think it evolves every time I listen because I try to come up with something, but one day at a time. Um, that was something my dad said a lot, especially whenever he was going through chemo, you just take, you can't worry about tomorrow or next week if you're not taking care of today. So just take things patiently, just be patient, live one day at a time and give yourself a lot of grace because you deserve it, especially after a year like this one, um, like 2020, but here we are moving into 2021. We're going to take it one day at a time. Uh, I want to put that like in a frame and hang it on my wall. What did you say it again? You can't worry. How could you worry about tomorrow? You can't worry about tomorrow if you aren't taking care of today. Yeah. I yeah. mean, all, we're not promised anything. Take care of the present. I loved that answer. Um, okay. Now shameless plug, shamelessly plug your podcast, your weight loss, Instagram, whatever it is you want to plug for yourself. Tell, tell us, not link it to, but go ahead. 
the podcast. The, the podcast, podcast, y'all. The uh, podcast is phenomenal. It's hilarious, but really only if you watch dancing shows. Tell us about your niche, your niche podcast. <laughs> this is not weight loss or grief related. <laughs> this is um, Dancing with the Stars fandom. I have a podcast with my best friend, Katie Bowman. And it's called Talk Dirty Dancing to Me. We only have about four episodes and we just kind of debrief Dancing with the Stars episodes every week as they come. Uh, so hopefully we can But I'm your number one stand. Literally, guys, I, we need another dancing show ASAP. I would, I'd never watch the show until Madeline like kind of nudged me to. And then the season I was invested and would listen to Katie and Madeline's podcast every week when it came out and would just laugh hysterically. And we would text about the show and the contestants. Anyway- Y'all stay tuned because if another dancing show comes out soon, I'm going to be looking for this and everyone subscribe so you can be ready to listen to if and when that day comes. <laughs> I love that. I have a personal Instagram that's just at madkaluz, M-A-D-K-U-L-U-Z, but I have a Weight Watcher friendly Instagram that is at Madeline, M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E, K-U-L-O-S-E underscore ww a play on words of mad kaluz again mad kaluz i'm trying to lose okay. on i don't think i just had an aha moment i've been following both accounts and i don't think i've ever really thought about that connection so cute i love it that's that's what i tried to come up with um so that's that i am not very active on my instagram but i'm over 2021 it's a new goal i'm gonna make more recipes do more do more workouts. So come follow along. We can do it together. And yeah, I'm here to talk all things Weight Watchers, all things Orange Theory. You're the best. Thank you for this. Again, thank you for the openness and vulnerability in your time. You are such a joy to have in my life and I'm thankful for you and our friendship. You are the best, Sarah. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Well-Being, Well-Bought, Well-Said, the podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, review. It all means so much to me.